Hello, and thank you for joining us for our Watershed Sermon Podcast. Watershed is a worshiping community within Harderwijk Ministries. We gather at 9.45 a.m. in the Anchor Building on the Harderwijk campus on the corner of 160th and Lakewood in Holland, Michigan. We invite you to join us in person when you are able. To learn more about our Watershed community and Harderwijk Ministries, please visit harderwijk.com. So we've been in a series uh, over the last weeks, over this fall so far, talking about core beliefs of the Christian faith. And we're continuing on that today. And uh, we are wrestling with questions when we do this. And and the question that we're going to wrestle with today is, who am I? Right, a fundamental question to our life and who and who we become, who we be, what we put our energies, priorities to, so on. I'll talk about that in just a second, but who am I? The truth of our Christian faith is this, that I believe I am significant because of my position as a child of God. That this is what Christians around the world, uh, denominations aside, (laughs) right, but those who take on the name of Jesus believe this core truth, that I believe in the significance of not only myself, but human beings in general because of our position as a child of God. A verse that we can hang our hat on today comes from John 1, and and again, we'll read more of John 1 in just just a moment, but John 1 verse 12, hear these words, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That all who would believe in the name of Jesus, he gave that right to become children of God. So who am I? Who are you? I want to propose this. That where we start in answering this question is often where we end up standing. Where we start is often where we end up standing. What we end up building our life upon. I want to read, this is from a blog post I, I, I put out there, put out into the the interwebs, how about that, (laughs) four years ago, Um, but I think it still remains true for us as we wrestle with the question of identity. I am, fill in the blank. The challenge for us all when it comes to answering this question is that our world offers us an overwhelming amount of ways to answer that question. An overwhelming amount of ways. Our family where we grew up, our gender, our abilities, our lack thereof. How many of you sometimes define yourself by what you can't do? (laughs) Who we're attracted to, who we hang around with, who we like or don't, the amount of money we have, the amount of accolades we've received, what we do and what we don't, how we've changed, how about our past? present or what our future might be about the political party we side with the religion or religions we engage with or don't the agendas we fight for the soapboxes we stand on right the seemingly endless list goes on and on i am fill in the blank Again, oftentimes I think where we start 
the answer to that question is the foundation upon which we end up standing. And I don't know about you, sometimes in my life I've defined myself as, you know, a single guy who played basketball and golf and volleyball. So I was sport, it was sports. It's uh, my husband and my father, right? Okay, that goes on. I am. Why is this important um, these, to answer these questions? I mean, she's pondering it, right? Come on. <laughs> Eric Erickson, a social psycho- psychologist, um, did a lot of work on, on developmental theory. But he says this, in the social jungle of human existence, there is no feeling of being alive without a sense of identity, right? This is why answering this question is so important. And, and honing in on who we are matters because it's where we take our meaning. It's where we take our purpose. If I go back to 1981, there was a film, Chariots Fire. How many of you aware of that, right? Eric Little, 1924 Olympics, uh, he was famously known to say, I run to glorify God, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Oh, beautiful, right? How many of us would love to say that about our life and what we put our energies to? That we honor God and glorify God. But get this, the kind of counter hero of the story, his, his competitor, Harold Abrams, listen to what he said. He says, now in one hour's time, right before the race, I'll be out there again. I'll raise my eyes, I'll look down that corridor four feet wide with ten lonely seconds to justify my existence. But will I? Ten lonely seconds to justify my existence. I don't know about you, but sometimes that's what I feel like in life. I've got 10 seconds to justify my existence. Madonna in 1991, so let's jump back 10 years later in Vanity Fair, wrote, was in a, there's a huge spread um, called The Misfit. And she was talking about just her determination. Um, she says, I have an iron will, she says, eating her Caesar salad. <laughs> and all of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. Interesting. All of my will has been, that iron will has been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I'm always struggling with that fear. I push past one spell of it and I discover myself as a special human being. And then I get to another stage and I think I'm mediocre and uninteresting. I find a way to get myself out of that. Again and again, my drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre. And that's always pushing me, pushing me. Because even though I've, I've, I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended, and it probably never will. How many of you ever feel like you've got to prove not just 10 seconds, but sometimes you, you, you accomplish something and, and, and there's this taste that it's like, oh, it's beautiful, this is good. I accomplished what I had driven for, I had, I had put my energies and time into, and then all of a sudden it starts all over again. Sometimes that's Sunday for me. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> we made it through another service, and now Sunday's coming again. <laughs> you know, what's funny is, is when I go back to September 27 this year, so only two weeks ago, This was a conversation that Colin Coward had on The Herd with David Spade. (laughs) 
talking about this, the movie industry, and he, he quotes Chris Rock as saying, hey, listen, you've only got, you, you, it, your next movie is only going to give you another six months. And David Spade said, you know, I just got to keep pushing. I got to just keep doing because you just don't know when it's all going to fall apart. I am fill in the blank. Are we doomed to just keep searching and keep pressing to determine an iron will and then be caught in this rat race of, of going, you know, just when I think I got it, it starts all over again and then I don't. And, and it's something new. It's a different category. It's a different, it, it's a different person pushing in on me. It's a different pressure asking me to perform and do something else. Are we doomed to that? I want to take us back to the message that we had two weeks ago on salvation. And this is the gospel. This goes back to our core truth, but Brian McLaren, pastor, author, said to everyone, Jesus issues an invitation to abandon the story they will lose themselves in and instead to enter the story they will find themselves in. That maybe all of the ways, all of the pressures, all of, all of the accolades the world says should be, all of the social media propaganda, and I use propaganda very broadly, <laughs> Cultural that said you should, you shouldn't, this is, you, this isn't, this is how you should define yourself. That maybe the God of the world has something else in store for us. Maybe if we believe we have a good God, he actually has something good for us. Let me take us back to the truth that Christians believe around the world. This has not changed over thousands of years since Jesus came and embodied this truth for us. This is our truth. I believe that I am significant. I believe that you are significant because you are and have a position as God's child. That I am significant because I am a child of God. Let's look at what the scriptures have to say, what the Bible has to teach us about this truth. Starting in John 1.1. 1, 1. John's writing this gospel. He's, he's trying to help people understand that there's not some secret knowledge you have to attain to. He's confronting something called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism says, you know, like, here, there's, there's this kind of truth, otherworldly truth that exists out there. There's some wisdom out there that you have to seek and find, but it's hidden, and it's mysterious, and it's secret, and only special select few can find it, and it's disembodied as well, so you're not really an embodied person, so it's just kind of all spiritual and out there, and so figure it out if you're lucky. And John goes, you know, let me tell you something. There's a different story. There's a different, there's good news. There's a gospel. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has over, not overcome it. He starts by saying there was a creator. There was a creator God, if I can unpack the story just a little bit more. Again, we don't have all the time in the world to cover every scripture that actually constitutes this. In a couple weeks, we'll talk about humanity in the image of God even more. But today, John is saying, listen, there is a creator God who created you. 
the word. And this word then made flesh. This word came into the world without him. Nothing has, has come into the world that doesn't, hasn't come through him. And in this word is life and light. That there's good news for us. If you want to look for life, if you want to look for light, we get to look at the source of it, the creator of it. And John says this in verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was not, he was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him, right? We don't always recognize that which is good for us. We don't always want the medicine we know we need. Verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but his own didn't receive him yet. Right, here's our, here's our key verse. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he, came the, he, he gave the right to become children of God. Right, those who accepted that gift of life. Those who would say, you know what, I'm going to put my faith in that story. That story can only be real for you if you let it. That's reality. That's what John is saying here. He's not saying that it isn't true that we're all children of God. No, actually, that's available to every human being on the face of this earth. You are a child of God, but you have to let that be your story. That's what John is saying here. And he says what? Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Let me put it this way. So often we look for our identity amongst the imminent frames of life. The physical, the tangible, the earthly, worldly things. Our skin, our bone, all these things as the core of who we are. And what does the scripture say? No, we're not children because of that. We're children Born of God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh. Jesus actually became a human being. He embodied the flesh and blood, became one of us, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Right there, he wanted to give to us a standing. Not because we earned it. Not because we've achieved some accolade. Not because we were good enough, right? When we talked about salvation, we understood that sin is part of our story. Sin separates us from God, and yet Jesus says, no, guess what? My free gift to you is you're my child in spite of where you've been, in spite of what you've done, what you've done, and in spite of what you may even do. And guess what? If you live into this truth, I the creator who is life and light will continue to breathe life and light into your lives. Last week here at Watershed, we got to um, have baptism. Today we get to have communion. These are two sacraments. There's special things in our faith tradition that help us truly understand and wrap our minds around grace. In baptism, we believe that we are united in Christ. Paul says this in Galatians. So in Christ Jesus, in Christ, when we're covered, when we are, we are showered by those baptismal waters, right? you are a child of God, what, through faith. I'm going to say today, yes, you're a child of God, but the only way it's going to be real is by letting it be your story. For all who have been, were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Right? If you've taken on that story, now Christ, who was the most fully human human, 
the perfect representation of humanity and the perfect representation of God now gets to be for us everything we couldn't be. Gets to be for us the best of us and also gets to save us from the worst of us. And then listen to this. Paul says what? And this is, if we let it be, this is mind-blowing. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. This morning I'm going to be so bold to say there is neither Israeli nor Palestinian. There is neither Ukrainian nor Russian. There is neither black nor white, nor Latino nor Dutch, or Asian, or Eastern European. Right? There is no Jew or Gentile. Neither slave nor free. So the categories of of what I have or what I don't have, that doesn't matter. Nor is there male or female in a world where we are so bent up on this gender thing. What does the identity in Christ do? It says there's there's actually an identity bigger than that. And by the way, it will give shape to all of that. Neither male nor female. There's something bigger. For what? You are all one in Christ Jesus. Next week, Jill, Reverend Dr. Jill Versteg is going to be with us, and she's going to talk about the church. Right? We are all one. We are one body together. We, are, we in all of our differences, in all of our diversity, make up this beautiful mosaic and whole of what the kingdom of God can look like. But the fabric that keeps it together is our baptism into Christ and his identity given to us as children of God before and after and everywhere in between we want to identify ourselves. I am a child of God, period. I want you to say that to yourself right now with me. I am a child of God, period. Let's say it one more time. I am a child of God, period. And I want you for the rest of this week to keep reminding yourself of that. I want you, if you journal, to write it on every page of every day you journal. I want you to start your prayers praising God, the good and great God, our Father who art in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We get to pray that prayer because you are a child of God. You have been baptized into Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you haven't, guess what? That's a free gift. Come and be baptized. And the place we start is the place we stand for eternity. There is no more confusion about who you truly are. Now, doesn't mean we aren't confused sometimes still learning. (laughs) I'm still trying to figure out what this identity means. I'm still understanding the implications of it. Maybe that's a better way of saying it, to understand the implications of it in my life and who I'm becoming and, and, and how it actually can reclaim and restore who I've been. I mean, this is an identity that can dip into your past and can save you from things that you never thought were possible to be saved from. 
can reconcile, can make right things that you never thought would ever find a good end because we believe in a God who works in all things and through all things and in all of those things somehow can work it to a good end and a good purpose for our benefit because he's radically committed to us, Romans 8, that nothing can separate us. Folks, Baptism reminds us of our core identity. I am a child of God. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Period. Communion today. This brings me to the story of Zacchaeus, a tax collector. A Jewish backstabber, if you might say. One who would side with the enemy. In Luke 19, starting in verse 5, Jesus reached the spot. He was coming into town. Zacchaeus said he was a wee little man. I won't, I won't, I, oh, I wanted to go a little Irish on that one. <laughs> Sorry for my Irish friends. Luke Kerrig, our missionary we support in our community of Greystone. Sorry. <laughs> no ill will intended. They would laugh at me, but <laughs> he was a wee man. He climbs a tree. It's undignified. You don't do that. But Jesus comes to this place where this tax collector who's sided with enemy, who skimmed off of the top, he sees Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. He says this, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Again, I want us to pause a minute. We could read past that incredibly quickly. And we could miss the fact that going to someone's house, sitting at their table, was, was the closest thing like in community that you truly could. It's saying that there is nothing that's going to divide us and separate us. You belong at my table. I belong with you. We're here to do life together. You matter. You are worth it. You, are, you, you have position. You have purpose. You have meaning. Like this meant something. In fact, Jesus in Luke 5, when he did this, he hung out, he did this with Levi, who was also known as Matthew, another tax collector. And all the religious were like, dude, he's a drunkard, you know. He just hangs out with sinners. Ah, you know, what, what are you doing? And he's like, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. And he says that to people, the religious, who also needed to hear it. <laughs> You think you're healthy, but you, you've been so bent up on your self-righteousness that you've missed the story. Here was Zacchaeus, right? All the people saw. Verse 7, same thing happens. All the people saw this, began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Right? Your mistakes define you. What you're currently doing, your job, defines you. He was currently living in this, right? Like his life didn't change yet. This all defines who you are. And so, Jesus, it must define you because that's who you hang around with, right? The next step. But as Jesus sits around the table, Zacchaeus, because of this grace, this meaning and purpose, Zacchaeus is like, man, I'm going to give half of what I got. I'm going to, man, I, I just want to live now a different life. And Jesus says this to him, salvation today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is what? a son of Abraham, in Jewish language, is a child of God. This man, too, is a son of Abraham. 
He's a child of God. Jesus had the ability to see in people, including Zacchaeus, he, he can cut through all the, I'm sorry, uh, through all the crap. Through the iron wills and through the lack thereof. Right? He can cut through the 10 seconds to prove my existence. He can cut through all of the things that make us go, I, hey, i got to put out the next movie because if I don't, man, it's only going to give me six months. And, and then what's next? i got to just keep pressing and pressing. You know what? Sunday's coming again next week. So, man, I better get it together. This one better have been good. Well, no, I'm going to take off next week. So it'll come in two weeks, though. But see, Jesus cuts through all of that and goes, nope, this man too is the son of Abraham. This is the starting point, not the end. It's not the place we arrive at because we've then done all of the right things. It is who we are. And then what does Jesus say? For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So often, unfortunately, the churches use the term lost to sometimes diminish people. Like they don't know something or they don't have value. And for that, I'm sorry if you've experienced that. Because that isn't what Jesus is saying here. When he talks about the lost, he talks about those who don't know what is really true. They just don't know that they're a child of God yet. They haven't repented. They haven't, they've been living life going this way. To repent means, wait, there's a different way? Oh, let me go this way. And think about this. How many of you fill in that blank with a bunch of stuff? It's hard. This isn't easy to get to what matters most. Why? Because that's what Satan wanted to strip in the very beginning in the Genesis story. When he came in, he wanted to, he wanted to mess with Adam and Eve's identity, which would then mess with our identity forever as one who is a child of God. This is hard stuff, and yet there is freedom. The gift is, here's the easy answer. You are a child of God, period. And I don't know about you, though. I got to keep writing it. I got to keep remembering it. I got to wake myself up with the message. I got to go to bed with the message. I got to remind myself in, at noon. I've got to remind myself when I'm in the car and somebody just cut me off, right? Like, but here's the thing. I'll never get there and seeing it in someone else until I see it in myself. Amen? Greatest commandment, Jesus says, what? Love God, your heart, soul, mind, strength. And then what? Love your neighbor as yourself. It's hard to love someone else if when we look in the mirror, we don't see what we love. And let me just remind you this morning, when you look into that mirror, God sees. And he says, I love you. Brennan Manning was a pastor and alcoholic. Now, it's a good thing that those are not his identities. Brennan Manning believed he was a child of God. And he says this, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is an illusion. Every other identity is going to fall short. Every other identity is going to need reinvention. This identity has been there from the very beginning of creation when the Word created us, when life and light breathed life into us and brought light to us. 
He's been there when Jesus came into the world to say, hey, this is what a fully human human looks like. And by the way, I'm going to be this for you. Because I know if we just put it on you, you'll never be able to be what I could be. And my gift to you is to be baptized into my identity. It's to come to my table, share with me. Believe I'm significant because of my position as a child of God. Four and a half years ago when I came back to Watershed, we put these words up. They're words that still have meaning for me today. I think they still have meaning for us. They still undergird a lot of what we're trying to do and be as a community. You matter, you are loved, you belong. You matter, you have worth and value. Because God said so. I don't get to take that away from you. (laughs) I'm not the one who can actually give it to you. But God does say you have worth and you are of value. You matter. And think about this. The God of the world who knows everything about you says, I love you. How many of us hide from friends, family? How many of us hide, you know, hide up here? Because I don't want you to see, right? And yet God knows everything and says, you are loved. Let me ask you something. Going to be a healthy person in life? If, that, if you walk around knowing that, not looking for it in someone, not looking for it in something, to go, yeah, I don't need you to be my love fix. Because I am loved. And now, actually, I might have capacity to love you and love you like God loves in spite of some of the things you do or say. And then how about this? You belong. You belong. You have a place. You have a people. You too are sons and daughters of Abraham. You too are children of God. You too make up the body of Jesus Christ. You belong. We've been baptized into that truth. Today we're nourished into that truth. Jesus, who was unafraid to go to anybody's house and anybody's table, which means he's not afraid of us, says, come to mine. Right? When he shared uh, life with the disciples after he had given thanks, and by the way, the disciples were a motley crew, crazy makeup of people, of personalities, of backgrounds, Some of them actually probably should have killed each other, in all reality. Oh, and by the way, Judas was there too, who we often blame for Jesus going to the cross. But after Jesus gave thanks, they were sharing a Passover meal where they celebrated God's rescue, the people from Egypt. It's something they'd done for centuries, going, this is the God we believe in, who's good and rescues, who cares about us, who sees us, who says, you belong to me. He goes, guess what? Now, instead of the rescue from Egypt, I want you to see the rescue that's in me. This is my body given for you. So as often as you do this, you take from this. Today, we'll pull pieces off, dip it in. You might take a wafer from the cup. Either way, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And then he took a cup that they had shared. 
And, and literally, the scripture says, supped. <laughs> That's a fun word, right? <laughs> but he took that common cup and he said, this cup, it's a new testament. It's a new covenant. Covenant to God means an unbreakable vow. It's his fidelity. It's his radical commitment to us. Even though ours fails, he won't. This is a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. You hear that? For the forgiveness of sins. Today, for the forgiveness of everything we define ourselves by that isn't Jesus. For getting caught up on roads that we never should have been caught up on. Sometimes our fault, sometimes not. And Jesus says there's healing, there's forgiveness in this. So do this in remembrance of me. Today we get to take as a people who share together one identity, Jesus, because of his grace and love for us. Amen? If those who are serving uh, in the band want to come forward, uh, I'll just again kind of walk us through. We're going to have stations at both sides uh, where you'll be able to take a piece of bread off and dip it in the cup. If you're not comfortable with that and want more of a gluten-free option, um, that is also the cups also have a wafer on top and then uh, the drink after that's a gluten-free option. But uh, we here, if you believe in Jesus, um, if you're putting your faith in him, say come. If you're going, hey, Lord, I, I want to believe. Help my unbelief. Come. Let God's grace be your story. Let me pray for us and then we'll participate. God, thank you that we are your children because you say so. Thank you that there is nothing else this world can fill in the blank of for us. Lord, that can compare to how you fill in that blank. We are children so loved by you. God, all of us are going to continue to need to know the implications of what that means in our lives. We're going to wrestle. Some of us will wrestle, and we're going to wrestle hard. Some of us, it is, it's exactly what we needed to hear, and, it, and it's, it's like the sweetest of honey. Some of us this morning, Lord, don't believe it. Lord, all I pray today is that you help every one of us, wherever we're at, to taste and see that you're good. To take one step forward in trusting you a little bit more with our lives and believing that what you have for us is immensely, so much greater than we could ever imagine. So Lord, as we taste and as we see, pour out your grace through your spirit in this sacrament. Lord, we pray these things and many more prayers in the name of Jesus and all God's children said, amen. Thank you for listening. To learn how to get involved in our watershed community or how to support Harderwijk Ministries, please visit us at harderwijk.com.